welcome to Create Shift. If you're new here, welcome. And if you've been listening for a while, welcome back. It's so lovely to have you here. Create Shift is a podcast to support, encourage and inspire you to live your most purposeful and holistic life. It's hosted by me, Ellen of Being Change, and it's funded by you, the podcast listeners and Being Change Patreon community. I'm here to support all of us to live our happiest, healthiest and most fulfilled lives and this podcast is one of the ways in which I hope to do that. Before we get into today's episode, here's a little bit about how you can be part of the Being Change Patreon community and help support this podcast. The Being Change Patreon community is a group of like-minded people all wanting to live their most purposeful and holistic lives. This community gets access to exclusive weekly holistic living content, live seasonal workshops and full-length yoga practices and special holistic living live Q&A sessions with me. You'll also get each episode of Create Shift before everyone else, as well as advanced access to booking for any of my live events. I would love to have you be part of this community. To become a member, just head to patreon.com forward slash being change and choose your monthly pledge of three, five or eight pounds. The money I make from Patreon funds the free content I create here on the podcast, my YouTube channel, blog and Instagram and enables me to employ other people to work with me. And if you want to support the podcast but can't afford to be a Patreon member right now, you can support for free by sharing the podcast with three friends who'd enjoy it. Thank you so much for being here. Now, on to today's episode. Hello, welcome back to season six of Create Shift. This is episode two, the second part of my special double bill release of two episodes. So this um, episode is with Sarah Major, who's an acupuncturist and the clinic director at the International College of Oriental Medicine. I met Sarah when she came and did a guest lecture on Emma Newlin's uh, Yoga Ayurveda and Holistic Health course that I qualified from earlier this year. And uh, it was one of those times where, you know, when someone's speaking and you're learning this new stuff and you're making all of these notes and like your, your notebook is just a scribbled page of notes and diagrams and like your head feels like it's exploding in a really good way with all the information that you're receiving and the new thoughts that that's kind of sparking off. Um, so it was great. And so I thought, well, I've got to try and get Sarah on the podcast. So I asked her if she wanted to come and speak to you and she said yes. So lucky you. So we talk about uh, the philosophy of acupuncture, so traditional Chinese medicine philosophy, and we talk about the yin-yang symbol, which um, we probably all know about, but as Sarah says, probably haven't understood uh, before, and so she explains it in a really interesting detail, really interesting way. We talk a bit about the current situation with COVID-19, this was recorded sort of right early on into lockdown here in the UK. So we do talk about that. So again, if you're wanting to avoid um, too much chat about that, this might not be the episode for you right now, just to give you that heads up. Um, but it's not the whole episode. Um, we do just touch on it. And Sarah does offer sort of an interesting perspective on on this time from a Chinese medicine point of view. And she offers lots of practical tips as well for how you might start um, bringing some of these aspects of the philosophy of acupuncture into your life. And shares a, a list of a couple of books that you might want to read um, if you want to find out more. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks for being here. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I, I wonder if you want to get started by firstly introducing yourself to everybody listening. And then um, secondly, um, uh, letting us know what your favourite things are about the season of spring. Hi, Ellen. My name's Sarah, Sarah Major. I'm the 
clinic director at the International College of Oriental Medicine, which is one of the largest acupuncture training clinics in Europe. And I've been there for about 20 years, give or take teaching and now working as the clinic director. As an acupuncture practitioner, the, the seasons are instrumental in the philosophy and the application of, of acupuncture. So we consider the way that the seasons reflect on the body. And each season has a different dynamic and a different energy. And as we're moving into the season of spring, the energy is upwards and outwards. And the thing I love most about the spring is it's like a tide going out from the winter. And there's the pause just before the, the wave comes rushing in. And there's that real anticipation of, of energy just about to burst forth. And I think that's the thing I really love most about the spring is that it is a sort of gathering of energy about to unleash. Hmm, that's a really nice way of putting it. I love that image of the, the tide. Kind of, yeah, yeah, that's really nice. And I think that's quite... Um, a good thing to remember for us as well because I think sometimes when we get um, sunny spring days you know we've had some recently we can feel all really full of energy and wanting to kind of you know explode with activity and actually at this point uh, when we're recording now it's, it's in late March so we're just kind of coming into spring so it's still that time without preparing for that activity rather than going straight into it straight away um, Yes, I agree. And I think this is where we need to be very gentle with our bodies, as, as, as you've alluded to. You know, we have that that awareness of the energy building in our bodies. But actually, what our bodies know is that we're, we're just coming out of winter and we're really at our, our sort of lowest point when we've been in hibernation and we've been preserving our energies through winter. So we have to be really gentle with ourselves in spring and, and not unleash our own energy in the same way that nature does and, and really retain it. Mm. So I wondered if you could explain a bit about um, kind of the concepts of, well, explain a bit about Chinese medicine um, or kind of the philosophies and concepts that you use within your practice to, to somebody who may have heard of, you know, traditional Chinese medicine, they may have heard of acupuncture, but they don't really know what it is. And I know that's um, uh, maybe a big ask, there's probably lots of things. Um, but if there's any sort of key principles or things that you feel like you could share. Of course, I think, I think the spring analogy is a really good place to start. Um, one of the main principles in, in Chinese medicine is, is this observation of, of seasonal change and how our bodies reflect the, the macrocosm of the seasons and how it's replicated in the microcosm of our bodies. And this is why it's really important in, in acupuncture to maintain the energy of the season, as, as we were just talking about. So the, the prime philosophy in acupuncture is called the five elements. And the five elements relates in, in part to the four seasons. So we, we take the image of winter and spring and summer and autumn and the fifth element comes at the change of the seasons so each element or each season doesn't actually start and stop dramatically it has a process of change it has a transitional time and this is where the fifth element is is incorporated into the acupuncture 
paradigm. So we also consider, as well as the seasons, as well as the four seasons, we have the five elements. And each element has a, an association to, to the spring. So for example, the spring is considered to be represented by the element of wood. And wood is what we see expanding and growing during the spring. And wood has an upward movement and an outward movement, just as we were talking about earlier. Um, the summer is represented by fire, and this can be described as the blossom of the, of the elements when we're relating it to nature. So the fruits and the trees, the, the outward expression of the, of the coming to fruition, the fire, um, you know, the bright red roses blooming. Mm. And then there's this seasonal change goes on into uh, metal. And metal is a very contractive thing. It's where everything returns back to the earth. So the leaves, for example, to carry on the analogy, the leaves of the trees or the blossoms or the flowers fall down back to the earth and become back in their mineral form. So all the elements that are contained within them chemically go back into the earth. And once they're in the earth, we move into the season of winter. And winter is represented by the element of water. And this is something we're really, really familiar at the moment, having been through the wettest winter in, in, in such a long time. And we know that, that the water is prevalent in winter. The fifth element is this element of earth. And we, we recognize that the earth generates or supports each, every single one of the elements. So the earth is what the wood grows from and the earth is what the blossoms return to and the earth harbors the metal or the minerals and also the, the water is contained within the earth. Now, when we look at that on a, uh, on, on a sort of medical point of view from acupuncture terms, we look at the dynamics of, of the human body and how each element is represented in ourselves. So, for example, the heart is represented by the, the fire element. And this is quite apparent, really. And, mm. and likewise, the kidneys is represented by the water element. And it's a very big philosophy and obviously not one I can go into in, in very deep level yes. now, yes. as you know. Um, but but it's, it's very logical. So, so, for example, if we were wanting to treat heart conditions in a patient, mm -hmm. we would look at the fire element. And this fire element is then replicated in the meridians on the body and the points that we use on the body to, mm -hmm. to work on that. So... Sorry, <laughs> you were very perceptive then. You noticed my slight intake of breath as I thought of something <laughs> to ask you. Um, I was just going to ask if you were working with somebody... Um, say they came to you with more of an emotional um, issue, whether it was they were struggling with anxiety or stress or something. Um, could you talk a little bit about, about that as well and how the emotions might link to, to the different organs? And, yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's the same, it, it's, it's the same analogy. So while I'm, as I'm talking about the heart representing mm. the fire and the kidneys representing the water, they're probably good um, elements to look at in terms of, of emotional um, pathology, if you like. So we look at uh, emotions in Chinese terms or, or psychological conditions as being all a normal part of, of our makeup and our health. So the, 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 uh, 
expression everything in moderation is is applied here so the emotion of joy is is attributed to the heart and we look at that um we see it in love and excitement and joyous things it makes our heart sing and uh but joy is an emotion to be used carefully joy is really good but in terms of uh, a negative aspect of, of joy that can be an extreme sort of mania when somebody becomes extremely joyous it can tip over into a mania so we can treat manic emotional episodes with but by working on the heart energy mm -hmm. uh, conversely or, or in opposition to that we relate the emotion of fear or fright to the kidneys so fear is a good thing we're meant to have fear because it stops us doing ridiculous things. Um, it, fear is something that's quite suppressed in our teenage years when we think we're indestructible. And this is the time when we, we say the, the uh, kidney energy or the water energy is a little bit out of balance and makes us do reckless things. So an element of fear is really good and it really keeps us safe. But when fear becomes manifest in your day-to-day -day life, and it becomes a constant emotion, it is then considered to be a, a pathology, something that's, that's detrimental to us. So we, we look at all these other emotions. Um, we can look at contemplation, but contemplation become, become, become obsessive behavior. Or we look at sadness as being a reflective process, but grief is quite harmful if it continues for a long time. Um, anger is a really interesting one because English people don't really like anger. <laughs> anger is considered to be a bad emotion and I'm, and I'm doing the inverted commas thing here. But if we observe other cultures like the Spanish or the Italian, you'll see them getting enormously angry and, and having great outbursts of anger and then it's gone and nobody gets hurt by it. It's just an expression, it, it, it's, a, it's an emotion which is, is an expression of something. So anger is a very useful and a very dynamic expression. And at this time of year, we think of the spring as being related to anger. But anger has to be moderated, like the spring energy has to be moderated. So if it's used well, it's a good thing. If anger becomes very ingrained and very deeply entrenched in our psyches and our personalities it becomes a cause of illness mm. um i just want to circle back to um the the earth element because i feel like I, I might have cut you off you might have been going to say more about it i'm not sure um but uh yeah could you talk a little bit more about that about um you know how the earth kind of represents this sort of place of stillness or centering and kind of this grounding um and and also the earth earth relates to this season that you have in in traditional chinese medicine of, of the late summer i believe is that right yes that's right yeah that's just another way of looking at it we we can we place the earth is is considered to be the medium of change and Again, in nature, the earth is the medium that everything grows from and returns mm. to and is supported by. So we can look at the earth in two different uh, diagrammatic ways. If we, if we picture 
the compass points for example mm -hmm. so the compass points each have a have a function uh, related to the seasons so the uh, the sun rises in the east and the rising and the upward movement relates to the spring so we think of the east direction as being spring and south as being summer so you know these 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 mm. movements of the planets and if we look at the uh, four compass points we can place the earth at the crossing point in the center so it is the fact that everything is dictated by the earth element and it comes back to the center. But if we look at it in terms of five elements, we call it late summer. We recognize that the earth sits between each of the, each of the elements. So between the wood and the fire, it's like, and, and the metal and the water. So we could picture it coming back, but also we can put the earth in between each elements, as I described earlier, to, to help the transition. Mm. And we also have this concept of it being late summer. So sometimes when we get a prolonged start summer or an Indian summer, we can place the earth in between the summer or late summer in between summer and autumn. It's just another way of looking at it. Mm. Um, something that I think a lot of people might be familiar with when they think about kind of Chinese medicine um, is of course the the yin yang symbol. Um, mm. Could you perhaps enlighten us on that a little bit more? Yeah, of course. It's as you say, it's a symbol that everybody is really familiar with, and yet maybe doesn't understand what it represents. Mm. Um, yin yang is a is a really really simple concept, and it describes the duality of day and night or male and female or black and white of up and down and inside and out but the interesting thing about um, the yin yang symbol and and this this sort of concept of change because the chinese believe and it's and it's quite apparent that without change there's there's death there's stillness there's nothing you have to have a a tipping point you have to have the the yin with what we would, would describe as the yin within the yang and the yang within the yin to keep the, the the circle moving so it's difficult to explain without having a visual on this but i think we can all picture the yin yang mm. symbol and the interesting thing about the yin yang symbol is if you divide the yin yang symbol if you drew a straight line across the central point anywhere on the yin yang symbol each side of it, there is no divisible point where there is entirely black or entirely white. There will always be a little bit of white within the black and a little bit of black within the white. And you can try this. You can just, so long as you're cutting through the central point, you will see that there'll be relative balances. There'll be some point, there'll be some sides where there's more black and more white, but there is never a point that you can divide where there is entirely yin or entirely yang and what this yin yang symbol describes is that there is never total yinness or total yangness in the middle of the night there is the starting of dawn and at midday sometimes we see the moon in the sky mm. so there's always this potential for change and really that's how the yin yang describes life is that there is always the potential for the opposite mm. I love that. Um, I just think it's so uh, such a helpful 
tool to kind of help us realize that change is really the only constant thing everything's always kind of moving into the next thing or whatever um and also i just really like that because uh, i think a lot of the time in western society we can be quite um black and white in our thinking you know we're either this or that um you know you're either happy about this or you're not uh or, or we can connect a lot to our emotions you know like i'm really angry and not really think about the fact that that emotion can suddenly morph into something else or that already within yeah. that emotion is something else um and and so that's something i really like about this this idea of there's always that yin and the yang and, and everything because it just helps us kind of realize that actually everything's a lot more gray than we think it is it's not just yeah it can also be really helpful when you're in a really bad place you know we know we know in our heads and our hearts that that life is always changing and it, it's quite pertinent now that mm. you know we are sitting in a in a in a strange place in the world where we're, we're isolated but if we don't have that hope of moving on and change actually it will change and, and life does change and i think it's really reassuring to to check into this when I, at both ends of the scale, actually, firstly, when things are really bad, yeah. that there is this potential for things to get better, but also a realisation when everything is really good to to really hold on to that because things can change and things will change and, you know, may not be so good. And this is just the natural order of things. Mm. It's, it's not something to be fought against. Yeah, I think... Um... And it, it can kind of sound scary, I think, to people to to realise that everything's changing and therefore to, to know that when they're in good times, there is going to be bad times. But I think it's part of that when, when you start learning about whatever it is, whether it's Chinese medicine or whether it's yoga philosophy, they've both got this this concept at their core that change is the only kind of thing that's constant. Um, it actually helps you kind of uh, find a, a different sort of state of, I guess, being kind of calm and, and okay with with things um not all it's the time acceptance yes yeah. an acceptance yeah it, it's it is really hard because we we like as humans we like to have control mm. but actually giving up that control and accepting that that many things are out of your own hands and and out of your your realm of control is is very liberating mm. um and I think, as you say, the, the, the philosophies of yoga and, and acupuncture have their same roots mm. and, and, and do have this acceptance that, that, that life changes. Yeah. And I think I have been thinking about that a lot at the moment um, in our current climate, you know, with, with uh, everything that's going on with the coronavirus um, didn't know if I was going to mention it on the podcast but um, I've mentioned it now that's that. <laughs> I didn't know whether I should <laughs> no I think it's fine um we can't not it's such a huge um thing that's happening in our in our society you know and we're recording right in the middle of it so um but something that I've been thinking about is this thing that um I think it's I mean it's hard for everybody what's happened it's you know it's, it's crazy everything's everything's changed dramatically I think it's it's been easier for people who've maybe had that knowledge that knowledge of everything does change before to to maybe come to terms with it. I, I don't know. I'm speaking for myself. Maybe that that knowledge has helped me. Um, and I've been thinking about you know kind of the businesses that I've seen who have been able to be flexible and fluid and kind of go with the change are the ones that are kind of you know, maybe they're still struggling. They're still having to work really hard, but they're they're finding ways through. Um, 
which in itself made me think of the, the element of wood, which is the element of, of the season that we're in right now and how wood needs to be able to bend and not break and kind of go with uh, go with the direction it needs to go in sort of thing. So, hmm. Yeah, and wood is resilient and the, the spring growth is all dependent on the on the nourishing factors and sometimes the spring might be very dry or it might be very wet but somehow nature overcomes that and it and is resilient and i think in in reference to to the lockdown that we're experiencing now we 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 have to first first of all go back to the earth and draw our energy from from that Mm. and secondly we have to be resilient like bend our way around give us that will influence that whether that is in in spring too much water or too little sunshine or too much warmth or too much or too little warmth it, it carries on there is a resilience and i think it's a really good thing to take on board mm. at the moment is that that we will be provided with what we what we need but what we need may not be what we think we need or what we've been used to I hope you're enjoying this episode of Create Shift so far. I'm just jumping in here to let you know about my Being Change Patreon community. As a member of this community, you get access to exclusive weekly holistic living content, live seasonal workshops and full-length yoga practices, and special holistic living live Q&A sessions with me. You'll also get each episode of Create Shift before everyone else, as well as advanced access to booking for any of my live events. To become a member, just head to patreon.com forward slash being change and choose your monthly pledge of three, five or eight pounds. The money I make from Patreon funds the free content I create here on the podcast, my YouTube channel, blog and Instagram and enables me to employ other people to work with me. Thanks for your support. Now back to the episode. Lovely. Um, well, you touched on it just a bit and I wanted to ask you about... Um, right now in the in the season that we're in um as well uh, so we kind of talked about the current climate that we're all in sort of you know the cultural climate political climate um but what about just seasonally um what might we be looking uh to do to support our well-being from that kind of acupuncture perspective chinese medicine perspective hmm. well it is it is a time really to start connecting with with nature again the spring is considered to be the start of all the energy um, and we see that so to get outside more to to absorb the energy and to and to to witness it um in terms of looking after ourselves the the uh, element of spring relates to our organically to our liver and gallbladder so we need to be starting to eat foods that support our livers and gallbladder. So we look at green things as being the, the elements that, that, that are, or the foods that we need to eat. So lots of leafy greens so that we're using all our, uh, we're getting all our nourishment now. And it's also naturally a time when I think we start to want to eat better. When we're in the winter, we want to eat sort of, uh, stodgier, saltier foods, and that relates to the element of winter. Whereas, what starts to um, appeal to us now are the sort of more bitter, green sort of foods. So, bitter-tasting things, green leaves; those are the things that we can use to nourish our our organs of spring, our liver and our gallbladder. And it's time to get a little bit angry, maybe as well. Mm. Mm. 
talking about this. But you know, it's a powerful, we can, we can do that. Anger doesn't have to be, anger is a very directive thing. So it's, it's the sort of things you're talking about, about doing new things. So this is a time that is, is really great to do new things. And I think we're all being uh, forced to reconsider that. Yes. So, so maybe it's timely. Maybe it is a point where we can start to use the the power of of, of driving forward, which is the the emotion of of, of the spring, mm. to start new things. Um, and and perhaps this this situation will will inspire people to do new things. Mm. Yeah, I think it is, isn't it? I think. Well, I, I hope so, you know, um, that's the way through, I think. Um, so I wondered if you could talk a bit about how you apply this philosophy in your day-to-day -day life. Um, mm. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a, that's a big question because <laughs> I, I, I feel that the philosophy is, is just me. I, mm. I've been... I, I've been doing acu practicing acupuncture for nearly 30 years and I've been teaching it for nearly 20 years. And so I think it just has become, um, and it's really difficult to deconstruct that. I practice mm -hmm. yoga. I employ meditation in, in my day-to-day -day life. I, I have an appreciation that, that everything changes. Um, I'm also human and, and I'm affected and afflicted by the same the same things and so yeah day to day it's I, I'm not I'm not a radical um, preacher of acupuncture <laughs> and it is it's a really that's a difficult question to answer Ellen because I don't really know much else yeah. I, I had a strange I had a strange upbringing in the, that my parents were in anthroposophy so were, were, were Steiner in their upbringing of us my grandfather um, who who was born in 1898 um, taught me yoga when I was eight years old and, oh, wow. and my children when they used to run out of school if they had a headache would ask me to stick needles in them um, you know that might appear quite strange <laughs> to the outside world but but is my normality hmm. so um, you know trying to say how it has affected me it just it just is i'm really yeah. normal you know I, I i eat chips and i drink wine i just don't do it all the time yeah. so it's I, I i suppose the the overarching effect that acupuncture has had on my life is that i've learned that that if we do things in moderation including eating chips and drinking wine it won't harm us Harm to our bodies and our and our health comes if we overindulge in anything, be mm. that emotional anger or bad practices. Mm. Does that answer the question? I think so. It also partly answers the question, or it does answer the question, sort of uh, that I was going to ask you is like how you how you got into all of this. Um, but it sounds like it was quite natural for you. Um, uh, yeah yeah it was I, I as I say I think you know yoga my, my grandfather when we used to visit him we were always told that if a door was closed in his house we had to knock on it in case he was doing a handstand or a headstand against it <laughs> um, and that was quite normal and to be treated with homeopathic medicines rather than taken to the doctor as a first step was always quite uh, quite normal um, how I got into it was was I suppose my choice to study came out of a, um, 
uh, I wanted to be a doctor, but I really partly didn't like the fact, I didn't want to study medicine because I didn't want to be restricted by pharmacology or surgery, mm. which is something that I see many doctors, GPs, consultants quite frustrated by now. And when I discovered acupuncture, I had treatment when I was in my early 20s for a, following a very serious injury that um, had had left me, well, actually at the mercy of the doctors, really. I, I'd had a bad knee injury skiing. And over the course of two or three years, I had five operations on my knee. Wow. And then I couldn't, I, I was having problems walking. And, and previously I'd been a gymnast, so I'd always been quite mm. um, active. And, and at the age of 23 or 24, I was struggling to walk very much. And I turned to acupuncture as a, as a not a last resort, but the G, the, the, the consult, my consultant wanted to operate on my back and I really didn't want to have any more operations. And, and I turned to acupuncture. Well, actually I was, I said, I, I, I was not, I didn't turn to it. I was suggested and pretty much dragged kicking and screaming to the acupuncturist and pretty much came off the bed without any, any, pain after the treatment and I was just wow. really curious about it and at the time I, I left my job which I wasn't enjoying and uh, started started studying acupuncture when I was 25 and say 30 years later I, I'm I'm still really impressed with it <laughs> um, yeah that's yeah. that's how I got into it yeah good thanks for sharing that um I remember when, when we met and, and so you were coming and giving a talk on the, the training that I was doing, um, you were wearing a red shirt and you said that you always wear that shirt when you have to do something like that or you wear red. I don't know if it's that specific shirt. I don't want to paint a picture. Yeah. You always wear the same shirt. Um, I've got a few red shirts. Yeah. Um, and, and that was to do with kind of the, the elemental connection, right? The kind yes. of Yeah. So is that something that you, you kind of do instinctively quite a lot, just kind of choosing the clothes? to support you know the element that's going to help you feel the way you want to feel um yeah i th i think we all do that mm. i think we all it, th there is a broader concept of of acupuncture which is about cosmology and um cosmology relates to the year of our birth and the time of our birth and uh, and some of us may be familiar with the the chinese um astrological animals mm. So the 12 animals that, that relate to um, certain elements as well. So, so my astrological animal is a fire horse. And I think it already conjures up, the image of a fire horse already conjures up uh, an, an, an image of a, of a colour, you know, a red yeah. horse galloping along. And, and uh, it's, it's been said that I represent my my element and my animal quite a lot so yes when I when I was when I was talking to you um about the elements and I'm I'm always very naturally drawn to red um and I think people know their color and sometimes we wear black in winter and black relates to water in Chinese terms and we would tend to wear white clothes in the summer to to because that they are lighter but the summer is also represented by red so there's all there's, there's subtleties within um our choices and people might just naturally say 
oh, that, that blue suits you. Mm. And so it makes you feel good or you look at yourself in a particular color and it, and it makes you look good. And we all have different colors that reflect our skin tone or our attitude. And, and as I said to you, red, red gives me confidence. I don't wear red all the time because it's a bit overwhelming. And I remember when I was, yeah. And I remember um, somebody, somebody within in the group that, that I was talking to said, oh, I couldn't wear red. It would overwhelm me. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I couldn't wear red all the time because it's quite a strong colour. But when I feel that I need confidence, so for example, when I'm standing up in talking in front of people I don't know, which I do quite regularly, it is, it is that, it's kind of that metaphorical, uh, imagine everybody in the room is, is naked and that makes, that gives you confidence. Red gives me the confidence to, to do what I'm there. Hmm. Well, it's funny because um, when we had that conversation, uh, you were talking about different colours, different elements, and I was, I was paying attention. I went, I, so I'm an earth snake. Um, and I think yellow is a colour that would relate to, to us, is it? It is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I remember you said that. And so I came home and I was like, oh, I really want to get something yellow now. Um, and I found one day in a charity shop a yellow jumper. And I love wearing it. It makes me feel wow. amazing. And I, I've well, never really had anything yellow. I have before in my life and then I haven't got it anymore. I haven't had anything yellow for years. And now I just love it. And I need to get more. <laughs> Fantastic. That's, that's a really lovely thing to hear. And, and, and of course, it doesn't have to be yellow, yellow. You know, it can be these just earthy tones. Yeah, this so, is quite a mustardy yellow. yellow. Mm, it has a very broad spectrum of, of, of colour, doesn't it? Yellow, as, mm. as does everything, because red can be, you know, it can be it can be a pale pinky kind of red or an extreme pillar box red. Mm. So there's all these little subtleties within in the thing. So I'm really glad to hear that you've. You've got your yellow jumper. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be head to toe yellow soon. No, I think that would be too much. But um, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it makes me feel great when I wear it. Really, really good. Um, so that's something I think that's really, I love little practical things like that, that people can do, that they could um, they could look at what their their astrological sign is if they don't know it. And they could find that out. They could find out what colour relates to that that element. And then, you know, they could uh, paint their nails that colour if they, if they need a little bit of boost or wear a scarf that colour or, you know, I just love little things like that. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and also you can use it, um, you can use, opposing colors so for people who are artists and know about the, the color wheel you can you can use color to make yourself feel something that you're not mm. so if you are sad um or fearful then use the opposite color to 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 present the opposite of what you feel or to help you transition from one uh emotion to another or one state of health to another mm. so there's lots of there's lots of ways that you can use uh these these tips or these associations in Chinese medicine to to help you transition again talking about the earth transition from one state of health to another hmm. oh I could talk to you for hours <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think we'll we'll leave it there before I ask you my final question um, if people are listening to this and they're curious to start kind of learning a bit more, is there a good book or, or resource or something that you'd recommend for someone who doesn't really know much at all, but they want to start kind of getting into this sort of thing a bit more? Yeah, I, I always recommend um, uh, an old book, which is called The Web That Has No Weaver by Ted Kapchuk. 
and Capchuk is spelled K-A-P-T-C-H-U-K, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but the web that has no either is, is, a, yeah. is a good starting yeah. point. Um, if people are more Western-minded, there's a wonderful book uh, written by, uh, uh, he's an A&E consultant, um, a guy called Daniel Keown, uh, K-E-O-W-N, and he's written a book called The Spark in the Machine. And he was inspired to write a book on, on Chinese medicine when he took a sabbatical to China um, some years ago and saw acupuncture being used in the accident emergency department of a Chinese Western hospital. And he was so impressed about the results that, that doctors were getting that he came back to England and studied acupuncture and wrote this very accessible book about which, which relates uh, Chinese medicine and his his um, learning of Western medicine. So those those are the two books I would I would recommend. Great, thank you. I'll, I'll put links to those in the show notes for anyone who wants to to get themselves a copy. Um, so final question, two part question. So the first part is in your ideal vision of the future, what changes would you like to see people having made towards living a more purposeful and holistic life? And then the second part of that is if people do want to start making changes in that direction, what small things can they do now? Mm. This is such a pertinent question, Ellen, isn't it? Mm, yeah. I mean, the changes that people can make, we are forced now yeah. to make changes in our life. And, and everybody is, is suffering or dealing with, with forced change. And we've never been in an environment like this. So I think making suggestions for generic change is a bit redundant at this moment. But I think the changes that we can all do now is take on this earth concept of stopping, re-establishing what is important. Um, I have already done it. And I, and I think lots of people will be looking at the things that they really need. And mm. do I need to order that extra thing online? Do I really need to have five different shampoos? I think the most important thing that we can do now and we can take the opportunity to do is really look at the things that we really need. And I think we'll find that the things that we really need are much less than the things that we think we do. Mm. So in terms of making change for a, for a more holistic living, it's, this, is, this time is going to be about paring down and really being conscious about how far our food or our products travel and we're going to be forced to be looking closer to home and supporting our communities and so yeah the most important thing now is is engaging with the things that are closer rather than taking on the things that are further apart so I think that's the most important thing we can do holistically now yeah thanks for that and I think we can relate that to uh the things that are close to our hearts or to our truth, you know, as well, because for me, it's, you know, I've, I've been realizing uh, it's about slowing down. It's about spending time in my garden. That's what brings me joy. Uh, making the time to phone my gran or, you know, connect with friends and family. I've had far more conversations on the phone with people recently. And actually that's something that I want to continue in my life whenever we come out of all of this. Um, so I think that's, we could relate that as well. The, the things 
that we need on a material level but also on a, a more kind of spiritual level yes and just the I, I i walked i have taken time out of my day i'm trying to structure my day and i walk every every lunchtime um and i said to my partner today as we were walking i said you know this is the first time in ages where i have had i've been able to really focus on nature and we watched the buzzards flying around and recognized that it was really quiet and it was really wonderful to be able to not be walking and thinking about something else or getting into the car and making a phone call always multitasking and it was really joyous to to be able to do that and it reminded me of a of a a, a, a buddhist um citation which is uh, touch your feet to the ground like they're kissing the earth hmm. and if you employ that mantra as you walk you're much more mindful and focused and centered and while we were talking about the earth, this 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 concept of your feet kissing the earth with every step you take, I think is a really good one to carry at this moment. Mm, that's lovely. Thank you. Okay. Um, are there places that you'd like to, to direct people to if they want to kind of find out more about you and your work, um, engage further? Yes, of course. My my website is sarahmajoracupuncture.com. Um, I practice in, in the south of England, uh, in East Grinstead. Uh, my clinic's there. Um, if anybody is interested in studying acupuncture, uh, the college is, is the International College of Oriental Medicine, and that's based in East Grinstead as well. Um, and the website for, for that is orientalmed.com dot ac dot uk um, if anybody wants to talk to me about learning acupuncture or about acupuncture all my contact details are on my website and uh, i'd be very happy to take any inquiries ellen thank you so much sarah i'll put links to all of those things that you just mentioned in the show notes as well so people can head straight there thank you very much for joining me today thank you for listening to today's episode of create shift I hope you enjoyed it and found it inspiring and supportive. Don't forget to share the episode with friends and on your social media channels to help this podcast reach more people and help them live their most purposeful and holistic lives. And if you'd like to be one of the people funding the creation of this podcast, head to patreon.com forward slash being change to become part of the Being Change Patreon community. Until next time.